Bible reading today is from Peter's first letter, chapter 2, verses 13 to 17. And if if you want to have your church Bible open at the page, it's 1,218. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honour the emperor. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you that we've been able to worship you in song Thank you that we've been able to worship you as we've prayed together and read your word. Lord, we pray for your help now. Please help us to to listen well and please help us to uh, obey what we find in your word, even when we find it difficult. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, You know this. Over the past, um, well, forever, our government has swung from scandal to crisis, from crisis to scandal. We've seen shocking headlines of affairs, we've seen mismanagement with terrible consequences, we've heard excuses, we've heard lies, it's really not pretty. And on top of this, some policies are being made are not only un-Christian, but anti-Christian. Could we possibly have imagined even 10 or 15 years ago that we'd be signing petitions to protect our rights to pray with people without the threat of persecution. Uh, Yet that is the danger if the more extreme forms of the the government bill against conversion therapy uh, goes through. Two weeks ago we started thinking about how Christians should live in a world like this. Uh, We learned the general principle that our job isn't to withdraw, our job isn't to conform or always be fighting But rather, as priests, uh, we should live good lives to God's glory among the people. Um, And now, in 1 Peter, having tackled that general issue, we're going to look at specific areas of life and think about how we live in them. Um, This week, it's human authority. How should Christians live with a government like this? Now, the answer seems pretty straightforward when we just read the verses, uh, verses 13 and 14, which were just read, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. How should Christians live with a government like this? We should submit Um, This word, submit, it means to willingly place ourselves under. 
Um, I think we all know that it's very tempting to be like the world and place ourselves over governments in uh, mockery or in um, uh, dis- or despising all authority in all its forms. It's very easy to place ourselves over in judgment or mockery. Very difficult to place ourselves under in submission. We might offer the excuse, well, I would submit, but this government is so ungodly and so incompetent. But do we honestly think that we're worse off today than the Christians that first read these words? Their emperor was was Nero. Um, Christians should submit. That's the big point. But I know that all of us have big questions about this. There are very important nuances that we can't ignore. And thankfully, these verses give us much needed clarity. Here are three questions that you might ask and three answers that we find from these verses. Why should we submit? How should we submit? And when shouldn't we submit? Let's start with the first question. Why should we submit? Verse 13, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. These verses aren't preaching allegiance to the government for the government's sake. There's an episode of Downton Abbey which I wrote. uh, wrote. (laughs) That would be news, wouldn't it? Um, which I watched recently, uh, which was, I found quite striking on this. Basically, it's in the 1920s, and the then Prince of Wales has an affair. And what happens is that a letter from his mistress gets stolen. And uh, this letter is either going to be used to blackmail the Prince of Wales, or it's going to be sold to the press uh, to bring down the royal family. And the, uh, the Downton Abbey family, well, they... Uh, out of unquestioning loyalty to the crown, do everything they possibly can to get this letter back to save the royal family from scandal. And eventually they do get this letter back, and they are absolutely delighted that they've saved the prince's reputation, despite the fact that he evidently deserved what was coming to him. This kind of blind allegiance isn't what is uh, being talked about in these verses here. That's not what God calls us to. We don't submit because we're blindly on the side of any human authority. We submit because we are on Christ's side. We are on the Lord's side. We are loyal to him. It is for the Lord's sake. I think it's useful for us to remember this principle. Um, With any Christian ethic, this is what underpins every single decision that we might make. The lordship of Christ. Uh, Whatever um, our definitions of the common goods, whatever intuitive sense of right and wrong we might have, um, whatever um, other people say about how to live in a world like this, as we think through complicated questions like how to live with a government like this, we need to have a really big view of the lordship of Christ. We need to hear the words of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. It is for the Lord's sake. It's worth pausing here because 
This is a non-negotiable aspect of becoming a Christian. In many ways, it's quite appealing to have a small view of Jesus. I think this is one of the reasons why Christmas is more popular than Easter, because if we can keep a small Jesus, a Jesus that would fit in a manger, and he might be small, small enough for us to kind of carry around in our pockets, to bring him out when we need him, when it's convenient, and to put him away when we'd rather not think about him. Uh, with a small Jesus, we can, we can make him mean what we want him to mean. We can make him say what we want him to say. He can be a vague sense of hope. He can represent um, positive thinking. He can represent anything, really, with a small Jesus. But becoming a Christian means calling Jesus Lord. It means recognizing that he's actually far less convenient than we might think. He can't be brought out and put away when we feel like it. What he says can't be edited or rewritten, reinterpreted. The baby Jesus that once lay in a manger on scratchy straw grew up to die on a cruel cross. But in the words of uh, Maya Angelou, you may write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still, like dust, I rise. She wouldn't say that's about Jesus at all, but it sounds like eternity is just calling from her heart. I rise, I rise, I rise, and so he has. The Lord Jesus has risen to the highest of heights with incomparable power. He is no small Jesus that fits in a pocket. He is the risen Lord over all creation. He is who he is. He has said what he has said, and we can't change a word. All we can do is bow. The good news is that the Lord has promised that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And maybe that's you for the first time this morning, or maybe that's you for the first time this week. Will you call Jesus Lord? We might not agree. We might not understand. But if our Lord wants us to submit, we will. We know that Jesus was clear when he was on this earth that he wasn't here to lead a political rebellion. He said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And uh, we read in Romans 13 that God is the one who has established human authorities. So we submit. Not for the government's sake, not out of blind allegiance to any political party. We submit for the Lord's sake. We're not slaves to authority. We're free from that. We're slaves to God. That is why we submit. Second question, how should we submit? This section of Peter's letter is in large part about doing good. All the way from chapter 2, verse 11, through to chapter 3, verse 18. The word good is mentioned in our English translations ten times. In verse 12, we were urged to live good lives among the pagans. And then in verse 15, again, we're told that doing good is a significant part of God's will. So is that the answer? Is doing good the way we submit? Sort of, but that's kind of vague, isn't it? You don't need me to tell you to be good. That's what 
mums are for? I think we can find a more specific answer. How do we submit? Well, verse 13 and 14, they speak about the emperor and the governors that are sent or were sent by him. The emperor wanted to maintain an ordered society, so he gave local rulers the job of punishing wrongdoing and commending those who did right. And this, I think, focuses in on the nature of our submission. We are to submit to government by doing more than just respecting their office. God's word says we are to submit to government by respecting their role in defining right and wrong. Now, I know that all the exceptions are rushing into your minds right now, but if you just like kind of build a mental dam on that for for one minute, that would be really helpful. Because God's word is telling us that we are to submit by recognizing the government's role in maintaining a moral society. You might not think that our government does this well, but consider the alternatives. Think about other countries in the world which have gone without a government for a period of time, perhaps through civil war. Society just crumbles. Relative to the alternative, it's important that we recognize the important role that government plays. That's part of how we submit, but but actually submitting means more than that. Submitting means we will generally abide by the government's definition of right and wrong. And we'll certainly need a very good reason for doing otherwise. Look at verse 15. The doing good there comes hot on the heels of the doing right commended by the governors in verse 14. This isn't talking about just doing good in general then. This is doing the good that the government commends. Peter is assuming that there's going to be common ground between what God says is good and what the governors say is good. Significant common ground indeed. And by making the most of this common ground, the Christians will silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. If Peter was just talking about good in general, that might not have the desired effect of answering the accusations because the the accusers might not agree with the Christians on what is good. We're talking about a specific good that is common to both government and God's word. And it's the same with the evil of verse 16. It should be understood in this context. It's the wrong that would be punished by the governors, not just evil in general. So yes, as Christians, we are free. We don't belong to this world and the human systems that are involved in it. We belong to the, uh, the kingdom of God. But being a Christian doesn't mean that we can ignore the rule of law. We're not obliged to human authority, but for God's sake, we do submit to it. So I think we're going to get an answer now. How do we submit? I think from these verses... Our answer can be summarized like this, by being good citizens who work for the common good. How do we submit? By being good citizens who work for the common good. As in life generally, so in the realm of politics. We shouldn't withdraw 
We shouldn't conform, nor should we always be fighting. There's a long history uh, in this country of working for the common good, uh, Christians doing so for the good of society, abolishing slavery, establishing schools, setting up orphanages. I think, um, yeah, we should work for, for good under the established authorities. Generally speaking, we're not meant to be political revolutionaries. What might that look like today? Well, I think a really good example today would be supporting a local food bank. The ignorant talk of foolish people, accusations and criticisms that people have against Christians, they are not going to be answered by clever arguments. They will be answered. Our accusers will be silenced by simple good deeds like dropping off food regularly at a food bank at one of the supermarket collection points or even organizing a collection amongst your neighbors. I'm sure there are many other options and perhaps you could think about that after the service. Um, What examples or in what ways can we be good citizens working for the common good? This is just one of the many ways that we as Christians can show as well as tell the gospel. We submit by being good citizens working for the common good. Now, here's the question that I know you all want to hear. Um, When shouldn't we submit? Feel free to break down that dam now and uh, think about all those exceptions to uh, cases where we wouldn't submit to the government. There are, of course, obvious examples in history. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he was a pastor in uh, Nazi Germany, And uh, two days after Hitler's rise to power, he delivered a radio address condemning uh, what he saw as the the descent towards a Fuhrer cult. He spoke up for the Jewish people as God's chosen nation. Uh, He led the confessing church movement, which rejected all the corruption that was infiltrating the church and held on to the true gospel. Um, He also became a secret agent while he was a pastor, gathering information for uh, the Allied troops and uh, spreading messages for the German resistance. He didn't submit, even when he was arrested, even when he was imprisoned, even when he was moved into a concentration camp, and even to the very point where he was hanged in 1945, just weeks before uh, the Nazis were overthrown. And what he did by not submitting was self-evidently right in the name of Christ. We all agree with that. But where's the line? Where's the line when it suddenly becomes right not to submit? When is it right for Christians to join a protest? When is it right for us to disobey the law? I think verse 17 gives us the answer. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers, fear God, honor the emperor. Yes, Christians have an obligation to the emperor in this case, or the government in general. But we also have other obligations. We have a duty to all people. We have a duty to the family of believers. We certainly have a duty to God. And I think it's possible to discern a kind of hierarchy in our obligations in verse 17. The same word is used for our attitude on the one hand to all people, 
and, on the other hand, our attitude to the emperor. It's the same word, to honour. It doesn't necessarily come across in our English congregation. We are to honour both, all people and the emperor. But then we have a higher obligation to the family of believers. We're not just meant to honour one another, we are to love one another. That's a higher obligation than honouring. And then, highest of all, is our obligation to God himself. As in chapter 2, verse 9, yes, we are to honour him. As in chapter 1, verse 8, yes, we are to love him. But our obligation to God goes even higher. We are to fear him. That is to have a sense of reverential awe. It's not the sort of fear that would make us run away, or it's not the sort of fear that would make us fear approaching him. Rather, it's the reverential awe that means we will not run from him. We will not dare run from his side. These four obligations to everyone, to believers, to God himself, and to emperor, I think they're like, they're like plants that all need watering. As far as possible, we want to keep all of them well watered. Because God has told us to submit, we will try to honour everyone and honour the government. We will love believers and we will pay our taxes. Uh, We will fear God and we will obey the law. We're trying to keep all four plants watered. It's for this reason that I couldn't personally join one of the uh, Insulate Britain protests. Uh, I I couldn't do that um, because, I I don't know if any of them are Christians, but They could say, on the one hand, well, we are honouring future generations in what we're doing. They could say, we are fearing God by stewarding the planet well, but they're obviously breaking the law. And personally, I think that there are still valid ways in which I could support that cause and still honour the government. They don't seem to be mutually exclusive. There are protests that are legally organized that I could attend if I wanted to. And maybe Christians should do something like that. But there also will be scenarios where these four obligations come into direct conflict. And we will need to prioritize in some way. In those situations, what we do is we water the most important plant first. God first, believers second, And then uh, everyone and emperor third. God first, believers second, everyone and emperor third. The day might come when a serving member of Christchurch Banstead comes uh, struggling with same-sex attraction or their gender identity and they ask for prayer. What if in five years' time that has become illegal? What will you do? What will I do? It seems that there's no way in that scenario of both honouring the government and loving believers. So it's, it's not a debate. Of course I will pray for that person. I'm going to water the most important plant first. I will fear the Lord more than any consequence of breaking the law. And maybe you're going to face some difficult questions like that. There's no doubt that wisdom is going to be involved. 
But I think by thinking of that hierarchy, that will help us understand when we should not submit. Let's wrap this up. There are, um, well, these are not easy questions, are they? How to live with a government like this. We certainly need God's wisdom. But if we remember that we submit for the Lord's sake, if we've got a big view of Jesus, we won't go far wrong. Let's be good citizens working for the common good. Because in doing so, we show the gospel. Our accusers will be silenced and seeing how wrong their accusations are, some will listen to our message. They will turn to Jesus in faith and they will join the congregation in praise of God when he returns. May God use our simple good deeds to increase that congregation of worshippers. We seek to do the common good. Yes, we will have an impact in this world by doing so, but, but even more, we will have an impact in the world to come as more and more people turn to Jesus in faith. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you that you have promised to give wisdom to those who ask. And we pray that in this matter you would do so. Father, when those, um, those urges to stand above government in, in mockery and in judgment uh, bubble up inside of us, Lord, we pray that for the Lord's sake you would help us to submit. Lord, we pray that you would help us to, to pray for our government more than we criticise them. Lord, we pray that you would help us. And Lord, we pray that by simple good deeds, you would work in people's hearts and convict them of their accusations against Christians. And Lord, even save them. We pray that uh, that congregation in the world to come would grow and grow and grow so that your glory would abound. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.